Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to The Call Week 9. Back from the dead, we actually have Alex. Uh, I'm Joe, your co-host, BMATFTS on Twitter, the keeper of the reel, and here's the man of the hour. How's it going, Joe? Happy to be back. Sorry for the uh, little mess earlier this week. You guys can find me at I underscore like underscore sports six. What a week so far, Joe. I, I think this one actually works out that we came in a little late because we, we have a little bit more clarity on what we're talking about. Obviously, the biggest story of the week and most relevant story for me is it's clearly Aaron Rodgers. We're going to spend at least an hour talking about if he's vaccinated and how much he should be. No, oh. Before we get we're gonna into get this. very political too. We're gonna talk about all all the political conversations. Science aside, sign. Mm-hmm. all that really matters is how this affects your ballot. No, exactly. Before we get into this, I'm gonna preface it with it might go long, so this might even turn into a quick hitter. But Alex, is there anything that's been on your mind this week? Thirty minutes later. All right, so speaking of that game, we have the Cleveland Browns going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are minus two and a half. Well, luckily, we spent the last 20 minutes handicapping this, so we don't have anything more to say, right? Wrong, because we barely touched the surface. We haven't even gotten into matchups. Um, Everybody and their mother that has a brain is going to say, Joe, Alex, how can you possibly handicap this game? You were wrong about the Browns last week, and you're so clearly biased. And I will say to them, okay. Then let's play it simple. Alex, you've developed a tried-and-true manner of sussing out what I really think my handicap should be about a game. It's really complex. You ask me, what is the team's, what is one team's kryptonite? The Browns' kryptonite is a combination of, aside from Kevin Stefanski having nothing between his legs, uh, the Browns' kryptonite is a combination of stuffing the run and putting Baker under significant pressure. Cincinnati will be good against the run, not great. They'll be good. And Cincinnati will put some pressure on Baker, but probably not a ton. Uh, we talked about Hans. He is a solid offensive tackle. I I would argue that this year Hans has been better than Wills, and I think that Wills is a fine offensive tackle. So I would say they have B tackles right now. On the other side, White Lightning in Trey Hendrickson and uh, what the fuck's his name? Hubbard? Sam Hubbard? There we go. I was going to call him Clay for some stupid reason, because I'm mixing up all my white edge rushers. Um, no, so you've got you've got White Lightning over there. They're both two athletic, good edges who will get after your quarterback, but the interior leaves something to be desired. Uh, our old friend Larry Ogunjobi is still mids as fuck. He's, he's had a good season. They moved him to three-tech, and he's he's had... I mean, it's it's the Larry we always saw, which is he flashes, but yeah. he's been solid. I'm, I'm PFFing it just to because I haven't been truly. Yeah, I mean, PFF has a 58 on him, so he's fine. I, yeah, he's probably better than that 58, but you're not game planning for Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, do they have DJ Reader? I was going to say DJ Reader. Um, I get him confused with Christian Covington because uh, they were both on the Texans for a minute. But Reader is a better nose guard. He's better than Ogunjobi. He's a good nose guard. But in passing situations, he's nothing. So it's going to be very easy for them to get their guards out against those tackle or against those edges. So it'll probably be double teaming both edges one on one up the center with your center and whichever guard is not double teaming. And I think that that'll leave plenty of time for Baker. And then I don't like the Bengals secondary. Jesse Bates has been terrible this year. Have you noticed that one? Yeah, he's been he's been like a backup level. 
like yeah. actively bad. And this is this is a guy that I took a really long time to come around on because I didn't think he was good. I was like, nah, you know, I don't know. And then, you know, PFF is in love with him. Tape guys on Twitter are in love with him. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give him a B plus, A minus grade because I had him at a B minus to a B forever. And uh, I finally moved him up to an A minus this summer, and he sucks dicks. Not for fun. He's been bad. Um, I all you know, Eli Apple's not going to continue being a good corner. I mean, he hasn't been good, but like he's not going to continue being serviceable. You will notice him, a la Mike White torching this defense. Um, the Bengals are massively overrated. I think their defense is subpar, and I think that again, the Browns are not only are the Browns going to pull out every stop in that they are going to utilize their offense to its fullest potential rather than being hampered by the expectations and you know demands of Odell. But I think that they're going to pull out the trick plays if they have to. They're going to go heavy play action on first down. They're going to throw downfield and go spread wide. Like, they're going to use all the tricks in their bag that they don't use against teams they think they can beat. Yeah, I think the the version of the Steelers we saw last week where they're pulling out, you know, all kinds of fakes and a bunch of misdirection, trying to move eyes on trick plays. I think we're going to see the Browns do the same thing. A division game that the Browns really need this win. Cincinnati needs the win because they just got embarrassed by the Jets last week. And they went from, you know, tops in the division to now they're, they're dropping out and have a division game. But this is, this is where the Browns thrive. You're right. And that they're, they're going to play desperate. I think they, they're going to then be forced to throw, which is good for them. I can only hope that they get David and Joku more targets because he's been great this year. And the, I mean, the, the Bengals, I think Logan Wilson, I think is his name. The guy from Wyoming a couple of years ago, he's played pretty well for him and he's got some coverage ability, but I like I him. Don't, I, there. I don't think there's anyone that, especially with Jesse Bates, not playing well and Joku should have a lot of opportunity and Baker and him have been having success. So I, I hope they, they play a lot of – they go to a lot of tight end heavy stuff, but I agree with you. We'll see a ton of play action, a lot of a, a lot of gadget stuff. I'm excited. I think the, the Browns should be able to win on the, on the offensive line even with those solid edge rushers. And worst case, I think they're totally okay with their leaving in a tight end to help block, and they have really good blocking tight ends. So I don't worry about pressure for Baker. I think he should be solid. I do worry a little bit about the receivers beating man coverage because they've had issues with that in the past. But I think Stefanski is going to actually make it easier on them this week. And as far as the Bengals offense, they're going to get a couple big plays that feel crushing. But I don't think they're going to be able to be consistently good enough to you know, go score 35 points and make the Browns score every time they touch the ball. You know why the Bengals are going to get passed on? So- why is that? They've got Mike Hilton in the slot, who's he's still good. Um, and he guess how old Mike Hilton is? I would have guessed I would have been wrong. Was it like twenty eight? Yeah, about twenty eight. I would have guessed like thirty two. I would have guessed he was old as shit. Um, so Mike Hilton's still decent in the slot, despite being small. Fine. Chidobe Ouzier has actually been pretty good. I mean, he's exactly what he's always been, which is like you want this guy as your cornerback too and not an inch more. Eli Apple, uh, he started off the season really well, but he, he sucks again. Like he's remembering that he's Eli Apple? Yeah. Ba- basically, yeah. And then we forgot the Peace Day resistance. Um, Trey Waynes? No, they have they don't have him anymore, I don't think. I think he's hurt. Oh, he's always hurt. Um, they have poor man's 
the best in the nation. They have the poor man's Jamal Adams in Von Bell. I forgot about Von Bell. Yeah, he's starting as a safety, dude. Yeah, he's starting strong, isn't he? So they need to go two tight ends all fucking... Of course, fucking, finally, Stefanski is going to be aggressive, but if he's smart, he's not going to go four wide for the first time all fucking year. He should go two tight ends. It should be Hooper and Njoku. I think it should be Harrison Bryant and Njoku, but that's a little bit of a rational hatred for Austin Hooper based on expectations. Um, Paid like a great tight end, has never played like anything other than a very average tight end. But Harrison Bryant's probably not any better. Just taller. Um... Yeah, I think you should go Hooper and Njoku and just whichever one Von Bell covers, deep. Because <laughs> he's going to cover one of them. They're going to put, they're probably going to end up putting Wilson on a running back because they run a really base heavy defense. So they're probably going to end up putting Wilson, their best cover backer, who's still just okay. They're going to put him on whichever running back runs any pattern. And then they're going to put Bell and Bates singled up on tight ends. And they're going to think that, that they can live with that. And they're going to think wrong so do that and then try to target eli apple with probably dpj no you gotta go crafty with him i would do landry whatever there is a way to do this this defense is weak should we address the Bills offense because we haven't focused on that and everybody is telling us that you know jamar chase is a fucking problem okay so i i mentioned this a little bit but they're going to have a big maybe two it's going to happen there's going to be two 40-plus yard chunk plays. Whether they end up in scores or or not is a different question. But we know they're going to get some big plays likely to Jamar Chase. But the, I think the question is, can they consistently score? Because for the most part, their offense, outside of, you know, like the Lions and the Ravens, is not great where they they have you know three drives in a row that go nowhere and then they go and they have a big play to jamar or they set up one good drive and then they have two back to back where they score and then it goes to nothing for a little bit is so it they just don't have the consistency and i think that's their biggest question is can the browns stop them enough or give them enough problems that the offense can just outpace it see Okay, so first of all, Jamar Chase is overrated. He's oh, good. Yes. He's a good he's a good wide receiver. He should be in your top two wide receivers. Like you want him on your team and you want him to be your wide receiver two. He can be your wide receiver one, but you're not happy with it. I mean, you're probably happy with it because you're probably an idiot that just looks at highlights on Twitter. But if you watch Jamar Chase play by play, he's not doing a lot of the winning on his own. It's a lot of flukes and a lot of scheme. Anyhow, like put it this way, I think Greg Newsom can lock Jamar Chase up like a dog in a cage. I think Greedy Williams could probably do the same. I think Greedy would have a little bit of problem with him just because Greedy has zero lateral ability. And Jamar Chase isn't great at it, but he has at least some. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do think Greg Newsom's a really good matchup for him, though. Dude, I've been impressed with Greedy's lateral movement. I've been really impressed with Greedy this year. Greedy has looked good so far. And that that would be kind of sweet if Greedy turned out good and Greg Newsom continues to uh, play well. But you know what? Fuck the wide receivers, because it really comes down to Joe Burrow's just not very good. He's he's Kirk Cousins. Every time I see him, it gets stronger. Like, that comparison is so tight. He's Kirk Cousins with a little bit more moxie. Moxie only takes you so far. And then that offensive line's been getting some flowers lately, because they've been, they've been thwarting defensive lines that are known to be just fucking murderers' rows, such as what's left of the Ravens? No. The Jets? <laughs> When's the last time the Bengals played? Uh, who? The Giants? 
the Lions. Uh, oh. the, the Steelers are the last legitimate defense they played, and they didn't have – didn't they not have Watt for, like, half the game? I was going to say, I don't think they had Watt. Yeah. So they haven't played anyone legitimately with you. Yeah, they're not, they're not facing any pressure. I like Jonah Williams at left tackle. He's a very, very good technician. You know what a technician's nightmare is? Well, it might be Jadevian Clowney, but it could also be Miles Garrett. And either way, <clears throat> on the other side, you got Riley Reef, who basically gets by off of knowing what he's supposed to do. Again, he cannot hang with those edges. And then on the inside, Quentin Spain and Jackson Carmen and Trey Hopkins, those are three terrible guards. And the Browns this year, people might not know, but they have two really good defensive tackles. Malik Jackson's fine. I think he's solid. But Malik McDowell has stopped robbing people and drinking alcohol which means he's playing really good football because those are the three things he does. Yeah, McDowell has fallen off a little bit the last few weeks where he went from you know, the crazy disruptive force he was to now he's, you know, a solid D tackle. But they have they have solid D tackles for sure, uh, not people I worry about. And then with those edges, yeah, you're 100% right. I like Jonah Williams. I think when he's on the field, he's a solid starting tackle that you, you don't really have to worry about too much. But... It's a bad matchup for him. Exactly as you said, the the pure, just crazy athleticism for Miles Garrett is going to be, because that's the one thing Miles does. Miles has like two moves, but he's just faster than you and can bend at an incredible rate that you just can't keep up with him. I do worry about, so Uzoma or Uzama or however the fuck you say his name, he's not actually good. He's a lot of what Austin Hooper does, which is just like he's competent and large, so he gets yards by default um but the browns have do they have the worst safeties in the nfl or like just bottom three they're uh they're well if we're talking about coverage they, they might be the worst i only care about coverage so they might be the worst because john johnson at best is a savvy box safety and they have him playing single high ronnie harrison is a piece of shit who's also not good at football and grant delpit is taylor mays and Taylor Mays was a bad linebacker. So, yeah, they, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit of worrying of they had kind of the three, the same type of player. They just had three of them at safety of a bunch of dudes <laughs> that should be a linebacker safety hybrid. I think John Johnson is a little bit more, he could be a safety, but he's a box safety. Like they don't have anyone that is a center fielder. And that has been an issue. I think it's also some Browns. Uh, writers have talked about it, that it seems like a lot of guys are just trying to play hero ball. And Ronnie Harrison especially seems like that. And maybe it's just because we've caught him and he's gotten burned for, I don't know, three touchdowns, four touchdowns. But it's like they're trying to jump routes and ro like play robber or something, and they're just wrong. And it's a quarter's coverage, so they're not supposed to be jumping routes and trying to rob stuff. So I think some of it is like you just have to calm them down but regardless, they're never going to be great at coverage. And that is and has been a weakness for them. And that's why I think they're guaranteed to get a deep ball. Like on one of the plays that the corners get beat, there's going to be a safety out of position because it happens every single Browns game that Jamar Chase or Uzama or somebody is going to get a 60-yard play. I think this game is going to go in the – this is going to be an over. This will be like a 30-24 to 24 game. But I think, I think the Browns so well. I think the Browns went outright. And so personally, I have three units on this game. I have one unit on Browns minus one, one unit on Browns minus two, and then one unit on Browns plus three. 
uh, because I figured why the fuck would I take money line when I would take minus two at the exact same rate and I'm getting an extra 30 cents of juice. So I did that. I'm, I'm not quite as confident. Shocker. I do think so. I, I have two units on them. One at plus three, one at plus two and a half. And I, I like both of those. Cause I think it's going to be a close game. I do think it's probably going to be around 30 for each team. I think it's 30, 27 game or it's 31, 30, somewhere in that range is likely, at least from my somewhat educated guess. But I could see the Browns losing in a just a last possession situation. The, the Bengals kicker is good. The Browns defense has not been great in those you know, late game situations we need to stop. Or any general passing situation right. against, well, unless they get pressure. But this is exactly what the Bears did. The Bears have a shitty secondary, and the Bears just fucking killed Joe Burrow. He played like shit because he saw a little bit of pressure, and he threw easy picks. Yeah, so I think the, the Browns for sure have that opportunity, but I I still worry too much about them being able to get off the field and play consistent. Like, it's not that they get beat. It's just that people go to the wrong places. That's the worst part about it is that it's not really that often where a guy just, you know, is a step behind or the receiver jumps over him or anything like that. It's just so many busted coverages. And while that seems like something that should stop, we can't count on it until we see him stop. But that's where I, I don't fully trust the Browns to win outright. But I do think that it's going to be at worst a last possession game. And the Megals might win by a field goal or, you know, somebody's gone for two. So I think worst case, it's going to be low scoring. I could definitely see the Browns losing by a couple points, though. And that's why I took on the plus. I might throw money line just because I'm I'm going all in on the uh, on the Browns circling the wagons and rebounding and coming together. But we'll see. I do think the Browns are the right bet. Do you know why the Browns are going to win outright? Why is that? Because right now. The Browns are plus three versus the Patriots next week, and God won't let us have that line. <laughs> Browns are going to win by 15, and then that line will shoot to Browns minus three, and we will only get one week of value out of this play. Because if that line stays the way it is and nothing dramatic happens with the Browns off the field, I'm probably going to put five units on the Browns. I see what you're saying. I will counter with the Browns will play a very good game and still lose in the last minute. So the Browns will get points back, and the Patriots will lose to the Panthers this week. So the Browns are still going to lose, and we still won't get the line. There is a way that the football gods double-fuck me, and that's normally what happens. So I'm going to count you airtight. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, get I'm, me fired in 10 years. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know about that recurring theme, man. Um <laughs> Because it's actually going to happen. Um, I know, especially because right now at work, I'm doing the same kind of document review that got John Gruden busted. And every time I read an email, I'm thinking like, I can get this guy fired. No emails, man. Especially because my client's a fucking Patriots fan piece of shit. I didn't say that. I might have to bleep that. I was about to say. I probably would. Just again, you, you know, no risks with uh, getting that bar passage letter and then that no longer part of the bar letter. <laughs> All right, I might bleep that. We'll see. Uh, yeah, fuck it. We're going to keep it in. Let's do another. All right. The next game, we have the Atlanta Falcons going to play the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are minus six. Mm. I, want it to, 
I love my Saints, but I want to take the Falcons because I don't like Trevor Simeon. But the Saints were using Jameis like he was Trevor Simeon anyways, so it changes nothing. So I'm back on the Saints, but I don't want to lay a touchdown with Trevor Simeon. So I'm going to have to stay away. Yeah, you you just took me through my exact thought process as well, that I I think the Saints, the, the loss of Jameis doesn't actually make that big of a difference simply because they're playing an Adam Gase offense. It's the same calculus as when Baker's out and they bring in Case Keenum. It's a way worse quarterback, but it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, But six is too big of a number for a team that has been very up and down all year. The Falcons are not good, but they've had good games. It's just two teams that I don't feel comfortable predicting what they're going to do on a week-to-week basis, so I'm going to stay away as well. I know the Saints win. I might take Saints minus three and throw it in a parlay because, okay, Matt Ryan was once an amazing quarterback. I had him as my second or third best quarterback for like five to 10 consecutive years. But at this stage, he is a decent quarterback with the kryptonite of man coverage. He just can't play against man coverage because he can't fit the ball in. And with Calvin Ridley deciding he doesn't feel like playing football, watch watch some shit come out like he killed himself or something, and then I'll feel terrible. Um, I have no yeah. idea on his life. Calvin Ridley, please don't kill yourself. I hope you're doing better. Yeah, Calvin Ridley. Put the bottle down and step away from the car. Um, Henry Ruggs. Um, No, but seriously, I hope he's fine. Whatever the case is, he's not playing football, and he doesn't seem to be physically injured. That leaves them with no wide receivers except Kyle Pitts. And in the last two weeks, teams have figured out, oh, yeah, you know how everybody says Kyle Pitts is basically just a big receiver? Stick a corner on him, and he's not very great. And Marshawn Lattimore is built to cover Kyle Pitts, because Kyle, Pitt, Kyle Pitts is really just Mike Evans. They're the same guy, just Kyle Pitts is healthier and a little wider, maybe. And Marshawn Lattimore fucks Mike Evans up. Like, that's I don't know why, but Marshawn Lattimore just loves those big receivers. So he's going to blanket Kyle Pitts, and then you're not going to be able to fit a ball in edgewise to Alamade Zacchaeus and whoever backs up Alamade Zacchaeus, which is bad because... I thought it was a deep cut to know who Alamade Zacchaeus is. So the Titans are not the Titans. Similar problem, but the Falcons are fucked. They're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to go nowhere against that staunch off or defensive line. And the Saints will win by as many points as they can actually score. The Saints are side here. I just don't like laying six. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I like that. The idea of tease him down, put him in a leg. That's probably what I'll end up doing. Yeah, the the defense is well is well suited. I mean, you know they're going to come after him too. The Falcons' line has not been great. Matt Ryan can't move at all anymore. He was never very mobile, but he's he's a statue now, and he doesn't have the zip. Yeah, you're right. This is this is a Saints game that it's just the number is too bad. But I'm I'm going to work them in. the The only way that the reason that I'm not betting on this game is because the Saints could easily win by three when the Falcons just decide in garbage time that they're going to try to feed the ball to Pitts and they work it down the field. Or, God forbid, Matt Ryan gets hurt and I actually love both of their backup quarterbacks and maybe they capture magic in a bottle for a half to cover. Josh Rosen and uh, Felipe Franks are like two of my darlings that I truly believe could be good NFL quarterbacks if given a legitimate chance. I believe that right the fuck now. Like, go ahead. It's not easy to believe it. I believe it. The the Josh Rosen one, I, I agreed with you until like a year ago where it just came out that he just like is a dick. That I just, lost like, my conviction a year ago, but it doesn't mean I don't believe it. 
I believe that he could be a good quarterback if he like had a different personality. Maybe. See, this is where I'm, I'm at the point where I won't fight you if you don't think Josh Rosen has it. But deep down, if you're like, hey, Josh Rosen's playing, you want to you want to put some action on it? I'll be like, yeah, I think the market probably underrates him. I'll take it. I mean, like, I'll, I will always watch Josh Rosen play because I think, like, he has all of the ability. I mean, he was the the second most talented quarterback in that draft, at least yeah. coming into the draft. Yeah, I It agree. was just, a, a, a as far as the thrower of the football, it was just a question of, like, apparently he kind of sucks as a dude. And that ended up being very true. And that's why he's failed to this point. But from a purely football standpoint and like playing quarterback, he's good. Even even with the Dolphins and the Cardinals, like he didn't get much of a chance. And those teams both ate dick. But he was, you know, nothing wrong with eating dick. Some of my best friends eat dick. But they call that a, uh, a land muscle. Land clam? I don't know. What? It's an Arizona thing, dude. They eat bull testicles. Land oh. oyster? Yeah, yeah, it's oysters. There you go. Well, they eat them. So some of my, I, I got friends that eat dick, but the Cardinals and the Dolphins do it in an entirely different way. It's bad. And he still looked decent and even good. So, you know what? We're talking about a backup quarterback on a side. We're not betting. Yeah, we, we've gone entirely too far. Uh, I think the Saints, the most likely outcome is the Saints win this game by a few points. I think Simeon might fuck up a little bit, but it's likely going to be just be like perfectly check down Charlie. Like he's not going to do anything exciting one way or another. When Trevor Simeon plays bad, it means nothing happens. It doesn't mean turnovers. Yeah. Like, so I, it's very possible this game is like 13 to seven, but and that's why I don't want to, I'm not going to lay six, but the Saints are better. Uh, work them into a parlay. Next game, yep. we have the Buffalo Bills going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are plus 14 and a half. I would take the Bills if it wasn't for the fact that Josh Allen has been legitimately terrible this year and nobody has noticed. He He's just, re- just reverted back to like 2019 a little bit where he's still really exciting. He makes really incredible plays, but they're not consistent. And he also makes really terrible plays. He has limited the like running backwards 30 yards and taking a sack, but he still just misses too many things and just doesn't see clear plays in front of him. Um, but he's riding off the reputation. And it's what's going to happen until he's like actively awful and the team loses. No one's going to for like a year. No one's going to change their stance on him. And like and like he played great. I mean, he played really good. I gave him an A against Kansas City. And that's probably the only Bills game anybody's watched this year because they haven't had a good schedule. So that's that's who he is in everybody's mind. But, I mean, week one, he played against Pittsburgh. He looked like fucking shit. And this pa- very bad. This past week against Miami, I mean, it, I gave him a C- minus on the day. But really, it was bailed out by a couple of running plays. <laughs> like, he got five positive plays off of runs. And I just don't think that's particularly sustainable. As a passer, he was shit. So, I mean, and he still had more negative plays than positive plays. So, Josh Allen is not the Josh Allen you are told he is. He's also not quite the Josh Allen that we saw coming out of Wyoming. I'll give you that. Long story short, I can't bet Buffalo other than like minus three on a parlay. Maybe throw it with the Saints minus three. See what happens. Yeah, kind of same boat. I mean. The the Bills are obviously much, much better. The Jags are 
still an actively terrible team. Trevor Lawrence has come on and looked pretty good recently, but he's stuck on just a really bad team. And that's not changing until they get a new coach and like 30 new players. So, (laughs) so like it's Buffalo's just, they're going to win by a lot, but 14 and a half is a crazy number, especially with Josh Allen's overrated right now. And the bills will win this game. They might even win by 30 points, but there's also a very, very strong possibility in my mind that this is a seven point game that never actually feels close, but the score, the scoreboard's close. Yeah. All right. The next game is the Cleveland Browns going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are minus two and a half. We already talked about this in a quick hitter pod. So if you want the in-depth breakdown, go check that one out. But we did decide that we are going with the Browns plus two and a half. We can go on to the next game, which is the Denver Broncos going to play the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are minus 10. Okay, I'm torn because the Cowboys laying 10 to Denver is too many points, but I don't want to bet on Denver. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat. That's too large of a line, but I think Denver might actively, like, quit. I mean, they just traded Von Miller, who apparently was, like, kind of a locker room problem recently. I mean, he seemed like he's had issues the last couple years with, you know, some of his, like, court stuff and his Halloween party was – Chad Kelly getting arrested. And then this year, apparently, like he tried to get people to pay him for the party, like a lot of money. So everybody always chips in. But this year, people didn't want to have the party because they've been losing. So he threw it anyway and then was like, hey, pay up. And they're like, no, we didn't want it. Oh, okay. See, I had seen that he tried to make a bunch of the young players pay. Mm. And like they normally don't do that because they're young guys who like don't have the money. And he came in and was like, give me, you know, five digits paychecks from a bunch of dudes that are making a hundred grand or whatever. But yeah, okay, then that's a different story. But still, I don't know. Regardless of the locker room implications, they're losing Von Miller. He's uh, been there forever. They already have kind of packed in the season. I think they're just showing us that they don't care. They're They're going to hope to God that there's a quarterback they can take or figure out a way to get Aaron Rodgers there if he plays next year. Do you want to hear a funny joke? PFF has Teddy Bridgewater as a solid quarterback. I'm, I mean, I'm not like blown away by that, but yeah, PFF has not been great. I I actually figured out, I, uh, a friend of mine tipped me off and I, I realized it. It makes some sense. PFF's quarterback grade isn't so much how good you are. It is simply how averse to mistakes you are. Like, they give you easy points. Like, they give points away really willy-nilly. Like, they give away points for a two-yard slant. You get actively positive points for that play. So as long as you're not – and then you get massively dinged for a turnover. So Mm -hmm. as long as you're not throwing picks, you can throw incompletions all day, and they're like, nah, you know, whatever. You can throw, you know, dinks and dunks that don't get you anywhere all day and anybody can do. And they're like, oh, you know, pretty good. So this is why they love Mac Jones. This is why they love Mac Jones. It's why they loved Aaron Rodgers last year. It's why they love Tom Brady even during his down years in New England. As long as you're not turning the ball over, you're A-OK in their book. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that fits Teddy to a T. Like, he, he's always been the safe dude. But they, I don't know, honestly, like, I have a hard time breaking their team down at this point because they're beat up they're getting guys back i mean judy's back but they're they're kind of beat up 
they just traded away the face of their franchise for the last decade. They don't like the coach. The quarterback is purely a placeholder. I just think they're going to like, we're going to see them quit on the year. We've already seen them quit on the year a little bit. Now that's not going to get me enough to bet on the Cowboys, but I think the Broncos are for at least most of the rest of the season, just going to be that below average team that occasionally will have moments, but we're just going to see a lot of like kind of stinkers from them because they're just waiting for the year to end. I think suffice it to say, I'm not touching it, but definitely don't bet on the Cowboys. Yeah. I, I, I'm not touching this game either. I think it's just bad on both ends. So we can go on to the next one. The Houston Texans going to play the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are minus six. I'm j- I'm, wait, six? With Tyrod Taylor? I gonna, I'm going to have to fucking bet on the Texans. Ty God name change Taylor is playing. So I... What? Why shouldn't I bet on the fucking Texans? Didn't he play last week? I don't know. I think he played last week. Or... Dude, it was... No, no, no. Davis Mills played against the Rams. Oh, he did? Oh, you're right. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. Actually, that's that changes things because I think honestly, I think Tyrod's like he's not great. He's never going to be exciting, but he's going. He's sure as hell going to be risk averse. I mean, he's he's not doing anything that's going to actively hurt the team. And Tua is not going to actively hurt the Texans either. So that's perfect. Uh huh. And I was about to say, well, Tua will actively hurt the Dolphins. So however you want to look at it, we're getting a touchdown. Yeah, one one quarterback's going to be like just really boring, and the other one is going to be actively bad. So I'll go with the boring guy. I got a teaser. All right, hit me. Saints teased down to even, and Dolph or not Dolphins, <laughs> Texans teased up to thirteen or whatever the fuck twelve. Let's see. No, I mean that that's just a regular ass teaser. That's minus one twenty. That's not bad. Honestly, I'd probably play with it a little bit more to get like you can probably get a better number. Just because like 13 or 12, it makes you feel good, but I don't think you really need all of that. Yeah, 12 is a dead number. You get to 11 and you're fine. You get to 10 and a half and you're fine. Yeah, I was, I have it at 10 and a half. And then I was going to go see what I get the Saints at, see what number we can uh, spit out here. So, and then if we do Saints money line, yeah, that comes out to minus 101. <laughs> we took them. So, yeah, Texans plus 10 and a half. Saints money line is minus 101. Let's do it. All right, toss the unit. I did as well. Fuck. Yeah, I, mean, I, I hate I that bet you. when the fucking Texans blow it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to bet on the Texans. I mean, the benefit is that they're playing the Dolphins, who are another team that's just really bad. The, the Texans are getting back Tyrod, who they actually played well with the first couple weeks. I mean, didn't they won week one. And then they had a close game with the Browns. I mean, they scored 21. The game ended 31-21, and Davis Mills played the end of it. Like the Not that the Browns have some staunch, vaunted defense, but they scored on them. They were scoring. I mean, probably would have scored like 28 points if Tyrod stayed in all game. Tyrod coming back will help, too, because dudes love Tyrod, and he wants to continue playing NFL football, so he'll be, he'll be going for it. He'll be trying. Yeah, yeah. and I, even if, like, they – I don't know if they like or dislike Davis Mills, but I guarantee they like Tyrod more. Yeah, no, I do too. So, yeah, I, I think standalone, I don't love that game. I mean, Texans, I would lean to, but six is, I would feel more comfortable at seven standalone. But I don't definitely... like betting on teams that I don't think will win. Exactly. And, but Texans, 
teased in with something, get them to 10 and a half. So you got all that extra cushion against the Dolphins. That's great. Yep. Uh, anything else you want to say about that game? I, I feel like we don't need to in-depth break it down because we know what both teams are. Yep. All right. Next game, we have the Las Vegas Raiders going to play the New York Giants. The Giants are plus three and a half. I like this game better when it was – well, you can still get it at Raiders minus three at minus 115. So I think it's fair to interchangeably use those numbers. Yeah, if I was going to bet on it, I would tease it down to three. I think if if we use this one, we should do it as three. Um, I kind of want to bet on the Raiders, but the Giants are tough because they're always – all Daniel Jones has to do is be decent for one game, and they can score a ton of points because their wide receivers are great, and Jason Garrett is a much better coordinator than he's given credit for. And then, on the other hand, the Raiders are just dealing with fucking bullshit. Like, it's one thing to survive your coach getting fired for some terrible shit he said 10 years ago about... Then, they had... Didn't they have... After that, they had one more thing, didn't they? Or is it just that their teammate killed a guy and is going to go to prison for the entire entirety of his youth yeah i mean i think that that might play in a little bit that uh, first round draft pick guy that is like probably sold a few jerseys made made a few impressions in the organization so not to make light of a tragedy but i literally lost track of how many times Derek carr has said that he needs to love somebody in this moment in the last month and that is why i know that the raiders are going through some shit and that is why as much as I think that them minus three over the Giants is a decent bet, I just don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat that we we talked about. The Raiders were going to have a fall from, you know, that that interim coach boost that, you know, lasts anywhere from like one to six weeks. And you never really know when it's going to happen. We're trying to figure out. I could see this week being the week when they have this much turmoil. Like they've been able to fight <laughs> off a lot of stuff, but when a guy that maybe people like, and I don't know if guys liked rugs or were friends with them and maybe like, you know, this doesn't hit too many guys that close, but I have to imagine this is a much more personal situation for them than Gruden leaving who apparently a lot of the guys didn't like or actively disliked. So this could be a different thing for them. And it just might be the straw that breaks the camel's back on top of it, that their, their, their season has been kind of, heading towards the the downhill and a lot of things are piling on and this just might be the the perfect storm that flips their season and yeah the giants like they're not a good team but they have the ability to be good and with all those weapons if daniel jones just like doesn't he's been better with turnovers but if he's just plays consistent and gets the ball to the receivers they have a solid offense and the defense has its ability so it's where the Raiders could be primed for a fall and the Giants have an ability, I I would like to bet on the Raiders, but I'm going to stay away. Well, the next game doesn't have any drama. It's just fucking tough to bet on. Yeah, so next we have the Minnesota Vikings going to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are minus six. The correct bet, the, the you know, correct in quotes. The correct bet is Minnesota. You lining up to take Kirk Cousins? Nope. You should. It's an early game, but the Ravens are coming off of a bye. Jim Harbaugh is the kind of coach that, or John Harbaugh, whichever Harbaugh brother is coaching this game, Baltimore NFL Harbaugh is coaching this game, and he's the type of coach that will have his team ready after a bye. (sighs) Because this is tough, because the way that you beat the Ravens is you stop the run, and you don't give Lamar anything easy. You avoid him having, I mean, basically that says play zone coverage. Typically cover two, maybe cover three. I mean, fuck, you could play cover six against Lamar. 
cover six with a spy instead of a center fielding linebacker, I actually don't mind that. Either way, the Vikings don't have a pass rush, which is actually going to be in their favor because it'll keep Lamar in pocket. The Vikings have smart but not great corners, but that doesn't matter because Lamar is not a good enough passer to really exploit them. The Vikings have good safeties, who will at the very least know how to fucking stop Lamar. God damn it, I'm gonna fucking make myself bet on the Vikings if I keep talking. And then the Vikings offense is literally as good as Kirk Cousins let them be. I don't know if it's that good, though. <laughs> it's not. I. But how good does yeah. it have? How many points are Baltimore going to score? How many points have they scored against Cincinnati, which is a shitty version of this Minnesota defense? Yeah, I mean, I think that's dangerous, though, because Baltimore has been able to score on a lot of people. And the Cincinnati game could be a little fluky. Was the Lions game fluky? That's a good point. Who did they play week one? I remember. Oh, the Raiders. Um, yeah, that game was fluky. The Raiders should not have won that game. <laughs> so I think the the Ravens are coming off of a bye, are in mentally a much better state. I think their actual on-field abilities between the Ravens and the Vikings are Ravens are a little bit better, but I don't think it's that that wide of a difference simply because I just don't I don't actually think the Raiders or the Ravens are incredibly special. But the the bye week and the just general confidence and swagger that the Ravens have that they can like pull anything out, whereas the Vikings seem to have the opposite of we're going to find ways to lose. I feel silly for saying, but I think it does play in because we've seen that I, I've always hated going to this option, but with the Ravens, especially since Lamar has been there, they just find ways to win a lot of these games. Now six, that's where it gets interesting, but I don't want to bet on the Vikings that have a bad line, a quarterback I don't like, two good receivers. You know why we're not going to bet on the Vikings? Why is that? Because the thing, okay, so everybody's favorite talking point this year has been that the Vikings should be like five and two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've they've lost a lot of games the last second. Well, the problem with that is that the Vikings are what three and four. Yeah, the Vikings are three and four. They just lost to the Cowboys by four points with Cooper Rush in his first start. I think that might be sufficient to kind of you know crush their hopes of doing anything this year. Like I feel like. That has to hurt their psyche. Like, oh, fuck, we just lost to the fucking Cowboys with their backup quarterback. We're not doing anything this year. We're not going to the playoffs. We're not doing shit. Yeah. No, and that's that's part of what I'm talking about with, like, the Ravens is that just in general, they keep pulling out these games they shouldn't win, whereas the Vikings keep losing games that they should win. And, and it, yeah. technically, that should average out. But I think that's also just the difference between a team that's well-run and on the same page as one another and the Ravens that they can pull out these tight games and the Vikings who are in disarray and they lose the tight ones. Yeah. I, it's kind of like the hot hand fallacy where people are like, Oh, if a guy makes 50% of his free throws and he's hit the last three, he's probably going to miss this one false. If he's hit the last three, he's probably got a shit ton of confidence. He's probably going to hit the next one because he's hot. Like being hot is a real thing because human psychology is a real thing that statistics can't quite capture. Um, Mm -hmm. It probably means he'll have a shit night in a couple days, and everything will average out. But anyhow, yeah, this is – I think this is a classic R.J. Bell trademarked dream crusher where, like, the Vikings season just kind of dissipated through their fingers last week. And I'm not, I'm not betting on the Ravens. Lord knows I never do that, but I'm not betting on the Vikings. Yeah, I, I think same. Same boat. We've, uh, we've said all there is to say about this one. We're going to stay away.
The next game, we have the New England Patriots going to play the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are plus four. I have an ooky bet on this. I have a bet that I really don't like, but I, I like enough to take. I have Panthers plus three and a half. All right, walk me through that because I'm I'm I don't like this game, so I was probably just gonna stay away from it. I was originally gonna stay away too, but then I was thinking about it. And first of all, this is a little bit of just a market play. This is just people are fucking really in love with the Patriots right now. Uh, they beat the Chargers, and we might have to reevaluate Justin Herbert because he played like absolute dog shit two weeks after playing like absolute dog shit the week after playing like absolute dog shit the week after playing very average. So it's been a while since we saw him play well. Anyhow, Patriots are riding sky high for an overhyped win. Uh, PFF just sucked Mac Jones off on Twitter last night. I saw it happen. It was gross, vulgar. Uh, Patriots beat writers are writing about how Mac Jones is actually outperforming Brady this year. I don't know how they made that gymnastics work because I'm not going to give him my click, but I saw it and it really upset me. And then on the other hand, nobody's talking about the fact that the Panthers beat a decent team in in Atlanta last week. Stephon Gilmore is actually playing now. So they have like, they went from like a decent secondary with a good rush to a good rush and an awesome secondary. Stephon Gilmore, by the way, just lock it in. His receiver is not going to get five catches. He's not allowing five catches. Like they won't throw his way because they're not going to get pick six and look like shitheads. He, he's crazy, man, because he, he just came off the couch, basically. I mean, I'm, I know he's been working out and rehabbing and everything, but he hasn't played since last season. And he came in his first game and he was great last week. It's crazy what being a really good cornerback will do. But yeah, like, I mean, he'll he'll fall off eventually and he slowed down a little bit. But man, he's still just crazy good. Even when he slowed down, he was a top five, top ten cornerback. So, yeah, their secondary is awesome. They're going to play a lot of men. They're going to know how to confuse Mac Jones. They're going to know how to take away the short routes because that's what Carolina does. The question just boils down to can Mac Jones, not Mac Jones, sorry. The question boils down to can, can Sam Darnold be competent? Now, I'm tempted to say no. However, I think that the Panthers know this, and they're going to run the ball a lot. If one, if these teams are going to get into a runoff, which is what will happen because Mac Jones will look terrible again. And, like, you know, Mac Jones completed about 50% of his passes against the Chargers in a game that people are sucking his dick for. That's not going to happen again. So I think Mac Jones looks poor. The Patriots then start running. Well, Mac Jones is never going to look wealth poor. He will always look like a spoiled little rich bitch, but he will look bad at football. And the Patriots will start running the ball a lot. It won't be very effective because the Panthers are made to take away the short game and the run. Like Jeremy Chin salivates over this game plan that the Patriots are probably going to end up using. And then I don't think Christian McCaffrey is playing yet, but I still like Chuba Hubbard. And he's only getting better every week because he's a fucking rookie. It looks like the Panthers are hopeful that Christian McCaffrey plays. That's what I've seen as well. They uh, he He's practiced all week, but since he's still on the IR, they don't have to release the extent of his practice, so we don't really know what he's been doing, but we know he's practiced all week. They said they're hopeful for him to play, but they're going to wait until Saturday and then see if they activate him off the IR. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm looking at some things, and they say that if he plays, and he probably will, he will have a limited snap count. But you know what? I don't give a fuck. Put him in on third down. Let Darnold check it down to him and see what he can do. 
and give Chuba Hubbard the bulk of the carries. Because, again, I like Chuba Hubbard. I like Chuba Hubbard as well. I think McCaffrey obviously gives them a, a huge uh, a huge boost on the field from his receiving ability. I mean, uh, his entire football playing ability, but especially the receiving ability to help Darnold out and take a lot of pressure off him, give him a, yeah. a quick safety blanket on a lot of things, I think will be huge. Now, what his snap count is, I think comes in a little bit. I agree, though. The, the biggest question is, will Sam Darnold fuck you? Is he going to come in and have a three-pick day, which he did love doing against the Patriots when he played for the Jets? Or, you know, not necessarily three picks, but playing very poorly. Well, Sam Darnold likes playing poorly in general. He's kind of addicted to it. Yeah, and I think it's especially poor when he plays the Patriots. Now, who knows? It might be different now that he's not on the Jets. I think it'll probably be better than it used to be, but still not great because this is a Sam Darnold who's struggled a lot recently in and how he's playing a defense and a coach that have seen him a lot before and have had success against him before. I agree with you, though. I think this this isn't going to be like a very pass-heavy, exciting game. It's going to be a lot of running, and I think it's just going to come down to which quarterback screws up more, not even which one does well. It's just which one has turnovers. Turnovers go they, to your team that creates more pressure and has a better secondary, don't they? Because let's not pretend like Mac Jones has been turnover-averse. I know he's got a reputation as being safe with the ball, but he throws a lot of pickable balls, and he fumbles a lot. Yeah, he's not he's not particularly safe with the ball. I think the big, the bigger issue is just that Sam Darnold is so unsafe with the football. I I do think though that if if Darnold can play at the same level as Mac Jones, the Panthers win this game. So I've graded five of Mac Jones's games this year, right? Mm-hmm. In those five, so I've graded Chargers, Dallas, Tampa, New Orleans, and Dolphins, right? In those games, he's thrown six interceptions and fumbled twice. That's eight turnover-worthy plays in five games. That's rough. I mean, Darnold's no better for sure, but it's close. Yeah, then I yeah the the Panthers might be the right bet here. I I'm not ready to jump on it yet, but you made a uh, pretty compelling case. And if Sam Darnold plays as well as Mac Jones, which I think is a little bit of an ask, but not a huge one. I would feel pretty safe about this bet betting on Panthers, especially if McCaffrey plays, even if it's only 15 snaps. All right. All right. We can move on to the afternoon slate. The first game we have is the Los Angeles Chargers going to play the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are plus two. Okay. I have a bet on this game too. Um, I this, this line is mispriced because even though I mentioned earlier that Justin Herbert has not been the man that people have crowned him to be, the Chargers are so much better than the Eagles, and this sounds just like my fucking handicap last week. But, dude, the Patriots are a bad team. The Eagles are a terrible team. If the Chargers don't beat the Eagles, like, we got to throw away our grade on Justin Herbert and regrade him as a D quarterback, period. Also, Brandon Staley's half the coach that people say he is because their offense is stupid and their defense is conservative. But they have to beat the Eagles. The Eagles are terrible. They're, they are a an actively bad team that – before the Lions game, people were talking about when they're going to bench Hurts. Fans are already looking at the draft just going, hey, we might have three first uh, top 10 picks, though. And they had, they had already started moving on to the offseason, which there's still probably a decent amount on the offseason. But then they went and manhandled the Lions, which congratulations, who cares? And now they're a two-point dog to the Chargers that... Better than that. Have, it gets better than that. 
people are legitimately talking frequently and not quietly about the Eagles being a fucking playoff team. Where are you seeing that? I have not seen that once. Uh, it was RJ Bell's best bet on straight out of Vegas. Okay. I heard some PFF guys talking about how they're probably going to have a really good shot to be a wild card team. I heard Mike Lombardi talking about how if the Eagles plan on running the ball as often as they just did last week, they can be a good team. Okay. Uh, I apologize for questioning you. You're 100% right. Uh, if That's disgusting because the Eagles will be lucky to win seven games. I mean, do I really need to dig into my schedule? Because I can go find it. But, like, they just they suck, man. They fucking yeah, suck. Yeah, I guess we don't we don't need to put a, a concrete number on it, but they're they're no no no. Team. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Let's put so all right. So far, they've beaten Detroit and Atlanta, right? Am I missing anything? Nope. Those are uh, those are the two. Do they beat the Chargers? Wait, do they have three? They have three. They also beat. Oh, they beat Carolina on the block punt that lost me money. Yes. Yeah, very sustainable. So they have the Chargers. Let's call that fifty fifty because apparently they're favorited. They have Denver. Let's call that 50-50 because that's about the same. New Orleans, no. Giants, 50-50. Jets, 50-50. Fuck. They're going to win a lot of games. Washington, again, let's be gracious, 50-50. I think you just split all their division games. Yeah. split. Let's split all the division games. So They'll lose to the Cowboys again. They'll lose to the Cowboys. And we split literally every division game. They will go... Let's assume they beat the Jets. Let's assume that they beat Denver. We're looking at 5.5 wins. Yeah, I mean, like if you if you just split those 50-50s into wins, I mean, I think they could get up to like eight would probably be like their ceiling. Sure. But they're not getting in the playoffs. Eight wins, a 17-game season. Like if, if they run like God and they beat every team they have a shot at beating, they win 10 games. And they're not going to run like God. And they're not going to beat Washington twice, the Giants twice, the Jets, the Cow- or the Broncos, and the Chargers. They're not going to beat all of those teams. Yeah. I they're, they're I mean, it, we've talked about it all year. They're not a good team. They have a bad coach, a bad quarterback, don't really have receivers. They get hurt incredibly fast. I think the defense has been playing better, but that offense is still just not great. And I think they're – we're going to see them go back to being a really bad team as soon as they play anyone that's not a bottom two team in the league. Like, I was going to say, I have them as a bottom four team in the league. I have Detroit as the worst team in the league, but like, congrats, you beat the worst team in the league. Exactly. It, it means nothing to me, and I I am equally as down on the Eagles as before that Lions game. The Lions game didn't do anything for me. The The Chargers, we... we they're the right bet. They're much better. They've been much better in like pretty much every facet outside of run defense, uh, just in general. But you're right. They're overrated. They're not playing great right now, and Justin Herbert's not doing particularly well. Now, granted, I think if you need a get-right game, the, the Eagles' secondary is pretty great for that. So I think that'll it, – it's a, it's a good situation for them to come back. I think you got to bet on them, though. I think if they do – fall out on us, then we have to probably stay away from them until we see what if Justin Herbert is just having a rough stretch or... I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say, if the Chargers don't win this game by margin, like if they don't win by like five to ten points minimum, fuck it, if they don't win by a touchdown, if the Chargers don't win by a touchdown, we cannot touch them until they get some hype back and then we have to fade them. Yeah, so like 
talent wise, all of our, the work we've done on both of these teams coming into the season and throughout the year tells us that the Chargers are a much better team. They're, they're better coach. They have a better quarterback. They have a better defense. They have better weapons. Like it, it kind of across the board and it's two points. I think we have to jump all it's, over We just that. have to win. We just and have to if, win. And if we get beat on it, then you have to come back and say the Chargers aren't who we thought they were. But till that point, I think we have to trust our ratings and trust what we've seen, that the Chargers are still a good team and the Eagles are not. I will also say that there is a slight matchup advantage for the Chargers because everybody talks about how they're terrible against the run, which is true. They're not good against the run by choice. They choose not to be. But Jalen Hurts is a more extreme version of Lamar Jackson in that he cannot throw. He can only run. And while Lamar Jackson did torch the Chargers, the Chargers won. You have When you play Lamar, you have to respect Lamar more than he probably deserves just because he is the MVP. So if he throws all over you, you look like a dumbass. Or, you know, he was an MVP. So if he throws on you, you look like a dumbass. Like coaches play him like he can throw even though he can't. And against the Chargers, he could not throw. He was bad. Um, Hertz is an even worse passer and a much worse runner. So the Chargers have seen Lamar. They've had some success versus Lamar. And now they get to try it again against a worse version of Lamar. Like, I feel like they couldn't have been set up any better to play this Eagles team. So, yeah, I mean, they got they got worked pretty good by Lamar, not passing because he actually didn't pass that well that game. But they you know, that that game was not close. (laughs) That game was not close, but it was closer than the score looked. The problem was Justin Herbert could not do anything with the ball and gave the Ravens a ton of free possessions with great starting field position. Yeah, he was very bad that game. I don't, and the Eagles defense will not be able to do that to him. I mean, he he may inflict some wounds on himself, but they don't have the ability to even take advantage of it that much. You know what's really nice about the Eagles is they have the same defense as the Colts effectively, which is we're going to play two-man. Like, that's the only play. They don't run other plays. They're going to run two-man, and that's their playbook. And while two-man is a good way to stop Herbert because so much of his game is throwing the ball up to Mike uh, Williams— one, you can still throw the ball up to Mike Williams against a crappy safety. Like, that still works. And two, if you run the same fucking play at him over and over again, he's going to take advantage. So I have hope. I don't think Herbert can put in three terrible performances in a row. And it's a power ratings game. And we've beaten this horse. It is now dead. We can move on. We can. The next game, we have the Arizona Cardinals going to play the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are minus one and a half. Okay, this is another game where it's. I took the Cardinals. I took a money line. I lost a little bit of closing line value, which means that it's probably a great bet because the Sharps have been terrible this year. Um, this is a, a little bit of a classic zigzag because everybody just saw the Cardinals lose and the shine came off them really, really fast. Uh, you know, it should have been off of them the whole time. Like the, the Cardinals were never a top three or top five team, and they were getting talked about like a top one team. They lose one game a week and a half ago, and everybody jumps off the ship immediately. They never should have been on it to begin with, so it's one of those things where the market's fucking wrong, but it's so wrong it's right. But the problem is that nobody – why can nobody understand the 49ers suck? Like, they beat the Bears last week purely by outscoring them when the Bears were missing both of their edge rushers, their star defensive interior men, and they have a bad secondary that was hurt. Like, yeah, of course you beat them. They played their second-string defense. Yeah, I – the 49ers are not good. I mean, we, we've we seen this throughout the season, exactly what you just talked about. They they beat the Bears, but not necessarily because they were better. I feel like it was just Bears being bad. 
And they have some ability. They have a decent floor. I think that you're never going to have like a three win season with that group, but you're not going to have an 11 win season either. They're going to be squarely in that like kind of middle of the pack range, which is fine. They're, they're a solid team that at least as long as they have that quarterback set up, they're never going to be great. The Cardinals were overrated. Kyler might not play. DeAndre Hopkins might not play. Wait, ask me how I feel about Kyler not playing. Cause I have how do you feel t- about How do you feel about Kyler not playing Joe? I don't think it matters very much because Kyler hasn't been particularly good in many of their games. And that offense is so easy to run that a Colt McCoy could do it. It's almost all screens and slants and the Kyler does make like one or two plays a game that are nice and big, but they're gravy. They, they don't rely on those. This is the offense. This is literally the offense that Colt McCoy looked like a superstar in at Texas is literally the same offense. Yeah. I mean, I think there, obviously there's a drop off here. I mean, there's there's a much bigger talent drop off than there is drop off for the offense, though, because exactly, exactly. What talked about. I mean, Colt McCoy is he he can't throw very far. He's he's Colt McCoy. We know what he is. He, How far do you need to throw to hit Rondale Moore on a cur- on a curl or a screen? Right, but it still limits the the field for him. And when you have Kyler out there, he might go run around and then throw the ball fifty five yards downfield because DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk are always running around. You don't have to worry about that with Colt McCoy. You can kind of put everyone within 25 yards of the ball, 30 or or the line of scrimmage, because he's never going to beat you past that unless it's a catch and run. So I think it does change their offense a little bit, but they're still just so dependent on being faster and getting balls into space quicker than your defense can get there that the, the change doesn't matter all that much. I mean, Kyler doesn't even really run that much anymore. Uh, the, 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 he doesn't, he basically doesn't run at all on designed runs. He, you know, he'll go scramble for stuff every now and then, but his, his running yards were really low and, uh, a couple weeks ago and they haven't changed, especially with him being beat up. So I don't think they're, you know, going to be missing his legs too much. Honestly, I would worry more about Deandre Hopkins being out than Kyler being out just because Deandre is that safety valve where if you need to, you can just go throw a ball at him. And while Deandre Hopkins is overrated and he's slow, the dude catches everything you throw at him and no one's better at a jump ball. And when you're going against those 49ers corners or lack thereof, that would be a great thing for Colt McCoy to have of like, all right, if this, you know, they cover the screen or whatever that the the initial quick play isn't there if he can just have deandre hopkins to throw hail marys or you know like please bail me out balls that would be a difference he's still got aj green and zach Ertz to throw jump balls too though and then he's also got christian kirk andy isabella and the aforementioned rondale moore to throw everything else to and two running backs who can both catch out of the backfield like they're so they do have great well, weapons they're so set i'm not particularly high on colt mccoy like he's not my guy, but if there's ever a place where he can succeed, this is the perfect scenario. And historically, he's been a decent backup. Yeah. And and then well, this is the you. real this is the real thing. How different is Jimmy Garoppolo from Colt McCoy? Because I don't think <laughs> it's significantly. Like I think Jimmy Garoppolo is just young Colt McCoy who wasn't bruised by the Browns. Uh, I agree with you 100%. That's exactly what I was about to bring up. Was we basically have the same quarterback playing against one another. It's just one's a little bit older and took a much harder hit from James Harrison to derail his career. Yeah, and then like on the and you know people 
you can argue Cliff Kingsbury versus Kyle Shanahan all you want. I'm way higher on Cliff than most. I'm way lower on Shanahan than most. So, like, I think they're pretty similar. But I don't give a fuck. Call Kyle Shanahan vastly superior. Fine. I've got the better running backs. I've got the better tight ends. I've got the – well, because I don't think Kittle's playing. I've got the better running backs. I've probably got the better tight ends, health depending. I've got the much better wide receivers. I've got the much better defensive secondary. I've got similar linebackers, and I've got a probably better defensive line. So, like, yeah, give me the fucking Cardinals, who are still not very good, probably only win 10 or 11 games, but they beat the 49ers. I agree with you. I I like the Cardinals. I'll probably end up taking a money line as well, just because I don't see much value in one and a half a point and a half is not going to save you yeah if we're wrong so about this we're going to be wrong by three to five points exactly so i think money line for the cardinals is also where i'm going to end up but i like that bet as well ready to move on the last late slate the last of the afternoon games we have the green bay packers going to play the kansas city chiefs the chiefs are minus seven and a half so i'm looking at my notes that i write down on my notepad on sundays and uh well, I guess I wrote on it on a Thursday. But during the middle of the Green Bay versus Cardinals game, which was the biggest bet of my life in a winner, I said, maybe finally time to stop gassing Green Bay, question mark? Because Aaron Rodgers played fucking terrible. And like I know people are going to say, like, oh, but his receivers, eh, they didn't really drop anything. He was inaccurate. He was conservative. He was a whiny little bitch. Um, I feel like if I would have said that like a week ago, people would be like, oh, you're an idiot. But now... Other things that don't have anything to do with football have happened. That's a much more palatable take. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you'll have a lot more people that are just ready to hate him as a person. So it's a lot easier yep. to hate him as a football player. I love when the backwards world comes towards me. Um, so I was thinking, like, ah, maybe I bet on the Chiefs, even though Patrick Mahomes also is terrible. But I get a better coach and a similar, if not better, cast. And the defenses both kind of suck, although Green Bay's is much better because the Chiefs won't bench Mike Hughes. He's the worst corner I've ever seen, and they won't bench him, and PFF won't say that he's terrible, but he's very clearly terrible. I I don't know what the fuck is going on. But all this to say, we have yet another situation where the downgrade at quarterback is not that big, and it's somewhat because of coaching. Because, like, yo, coming out of college, I had Jordan Love as a bad quarterback. I had him as the other half of Josh Allen. So, like, Josh Allen had a great arm and a pretty good brain, but he just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn coming out. Whereas Jordan Love has a very strong arm, and he could – I mean, he's not accurate, but he's, like – his accuracy is passable. It's fine. But he's so fucking stupid. He might be the only quarterback that's dumber than Justin Fields on the field. Like, again, both are probably very intelligent, eloquent individuals who speak perfectly, and their mothers love them. So Jordan Love is very dumb as a football player exclusively, and that's going to be the reason why he never becomes a very good quarterback, and over a larger sample size, he will always be terrible, and the Packers are fucked going forward. But A, Aaron Rodgers has been bad lately, like significantly. Uh, Like game grades-wise, I haven't graded enough of him, but week eight was a D, week two was a C, and that was gracious, and week one was an F. And I stopped grading in the second quarter because he had given the game away. So, like, I have three game grades on him. I should have more. I I apologize. But they're all bad. And I graded every game he did last year in his MVP season, and he was largely average. Because more than 52% of this offense's yardage over the last year and a half comes after the catch. 
because all those things that you heard about Baker Mayfield being a game manager who doesn't do anything, he just checks it down, he gets the ball to his receivers and they take care of it, his offensive line is so good, that's all actually true about Aaron Rodgers. Like, he hasn't been accurate, he hasn't made great decisions, he's just been conservative, he's been accurate with the simple shit, he's had a lot of pedestrian passes, and everybody else has taken care of all the rest. And I hated Matt LaFleur coming out of Tennessee, but I didn't realize at the time that it was actually just Vrabel sucks. He's been a really, probably the most effective coach in that Shanahan branch. Like him, Stefanski, Kyle Shanahan, he is the most pass heavy and he is probably the best. He's 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 been awesome. I mean, they had some struggles right when he got there, but he has adapted so well. And the game plans that he's been putting together have been elite. Give him the game ball for what he did in week eight, because Rodgers would not trust his receivers at all. And he was missing throws constantly. And LaFleur still put him in a position to win the game. Like, so Jordan Love is not going to have to think. That's the beauty of this offense. It takes your brain out of it. And he's not going to have to be particularly accurate. Maybe he throws one deep ball to MVS when he streaks deep if there's a busted coverage or something, and Jordan Love can do that. Maybe Jordan Love uses his legs, which are good, not great, and gets, you know, a couple 10-yard runs. That'd be awesome. But he doesn't need to. And this is an, so this is another case of the coach mitigates the difference in quarterback the same way that Stefanski's offense kind of mitigates the difference between Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum. But additionally, Aaron Rodgers is not the guy that people think he is. If you listen to any radio show over the last week, people have been talking about Aaron Rodgers is worth about seven to eight points, and that's fair. I have him worth like four, because I hate Jordan Love, but Aaron Rodgers is an average quarterback, to maybe a little better than average, and like... This offense takes him out of it. So I think it's probably a little harsh to say he's average. Why? He's not as good as he used to be, and he's not as good as what people say he is. But I think he's still special because he hits those pedestrian throws. He does a lot of that good game manager stuff where he doesn't create a lot of turnovers. He's just accurate in his, you know, two to ten yard throws. And he's okay in the intermediate. And he's not super consistent in the deep ball, but man, does he still have a pretty deep ball. I know he missed some stuff on Thursday against the Cardinals, but it's still so pretty and he can do it from so many places and put it in so many spots that I think it still keeps him in that upper tier, even if a lot of his ability at this point is just kind of riding off of history and reputation. The fact that his deep ball is still there still keeps him in that higher tier of quarterbacks i agree with you though that jordan love isn't as big of a drop off as the talent drop off because it is a simple offense but i think missing some of that deep ball action and instead of getting like a big completion instead you probably get a big turnover with jordan love that that could swing things now when we get into the actual numbers i agree with you that aaron Rodgers probably isn't worth seven and a half points which is what he's worth up to this point in the in the week. So I think you are you are getting in on an overreaction like we had the last time the Packers played. I do worry about, you know, Jordan Love crumbling and giving the game away, but I think it's a smart play of the Chiefs still have not looked good. I mean, they they barely beat the Giants last week. And it wasn't okay. it wasn't a Daniel Jones like Renaissance game where like the Gen- Giants had one of their good games like the if Giants Daniel were, Jones plays below average they win he was just yeah, awful like the the Giants played a their bad game and lost by what three something like one score 
Yeah, but it was it was a close game, and like they had to play the whole time. I mean, I know like it always seemed like Kansas City was in charge, but that that game was not decided until the last couple minutes. Well, and you know what? It could have been a lot worse because Patrick Mahomes had five turnover worthy throws off my count. Like I didn't I didn't chart this game heavy. I charted it light. Um, like I didn't go dig into the fucking all twenty two and watch the replays to make sure I had every snap right, like I usually do, but. Like, just live, I kept some mental count, and I saw five turnover-worthy throws off of him, off the top of him. And I think one or two of them were caught. So, like, it could have been worse. So, I get, <laughs> I've get, i graded six Patrick Mahomes games. I've given him three Fs, a C+, plus, a C-, minus, and a B. And the three Fs are the last three games I graded. So, yeah. it's bad. Yeah, so they seem like they're going in the wrong direction. And... Like, I know they won, and I mean, those those grades obviously point to him going in the wrong direction, but the team still doesn't seem like, last week didn't seem like a week where they came out and then went, yeah, we're on track, we got it together, that well, was the, our get-right game. The thing that is, actually, like another... everybody besides Mahomes played really well. Mecole Hardman was unstoppable. Tyreek Hill is always the best receiver in football. Like, the team played well. They just have a really bad quarterback. They they have a a good quarterback that is playing very bad right now i'm I'm not choosing my words correctly because like coming into this season as low as i was on rogers i still had him as the fifth best quarterback and i still had mahomes as like the fourth i currently have downgraded mahomes to like 10th ish but i have him at eighth just behind josh allen and justin herbert right ahead of Carr. but yeah like, and dude three consecutive games that i've graded he has an f grade f not it's not like oh he's not playing quite up to snuff it's like oh he he won't stop turning the ball over and missing throws yeah he i mean he has been bad i i haven't recognized that it's been that bad because i haven't watched them that intensely but it's not getting better and like you know what Packers defense is pretty solid man (laughs) i agree and like let's give him he probably had an a game against philly like that was a get right game probably Mm -hmm. put together an a game i i don't know i haven't watched it call that an a like he's still averaging fucking his his average grade is a D plus, a low D plus. Yeah, he's he's struggling. I mean, it's very hotly talked about and the reasons behind and when he'll come out of it and everything. But I don't think I'm not worried about it right now of him about to pop back into MVP level form because this is something I think is additionally wrong with just his confidence is starting to get messed with which is why I think he's doing worse recently. And the Packers are just a good team. I mean, yes, they don't have Rodgers, and that will hurt them mentally as well. Not having your you know, your guy in, it's the, the young dude that's been kind of a contentious topic in the organization since he's been picked is now your quarterback. But there's still a good team that is riding high off of a big win against the only undefeated team when you are missing star players. You got a long break, and now you get another big game. Yes, you're missing your quarterback, but they still have a lot of talent there and a really good team. They've been playing better football. I want to address something real quick because I know what every, like, you know, amateur psychologist is going to say. Oh, but the distractions. How is this a distraction? Because everything we've heard is that everybody in the Packers facility and organization already knew about Rodgers not being vaccinated. And everything that Aaron Rodgers said today in his interview says that he's been outspoken about this shit. 
Like he spoke up in team meetings with like the NFL doctors. Like he talks to his teammates about it. He's got teammates who agree with him. He's got teammates who disagree with him and they've had conversations. So like, I don't give a fuck about the actual meat of the Aaron Rodgers vaccination story. What I'm saying is this is nothing new to those players. And as much as the media is coming after the Packers, they're not coming after the Packers. They're coming off after Aaron Rodgers. Like everybody on that team is insulated from this and Rodgers is not with the team. So like nobody's actually attacking anybody that the Packers have to see. And Matt LaFleur was very, very clear in his press conference today. He's here to talk about football. And if you're not here to talk about football, you can shut the fuck up. So I really don't think that it's going to have any bearing on this game. As much as like as much as we people might want it to, because it's a hot story, like football's football. That ain't football. Sorry. Yeah. No, and I think that is the distraction angle I don't think plays in that much because yeah, they all knew about this. It seems like with the way the off season and the whole Rogers situation of he might be leaving and wants to be very involved in everything. There's no way he wasn't telling people. There's no way the Packers didn't know. They, yeah. They've been aware. They've been actively working around it the entire year. So th- this is a thing they knew was going to happen. I think, obviously, like him testing positive and now not having the like, oh, our quarterback's not there, that psychology could play in. But I don't think it really matters much as a distraction. I think overall, though, you have an overreaction to Rodgers being out in an offense that is relatively well suited to have people come in and they're playing the chiefs that are, have a quarterback that's really struggling right now. And now he has to play a good defense. I don't know. I, when you have the number at seven and a half, I like the Packers. Yeah, me too. I got a unit on it. I will say uh, I'm, I am having a pretty rough run of luck personally, as far as these bets go, because I bet on the Packers at the beginning of the week when the spread was pick them and then Rogers got COVID. So I again have a much worse number on a game that I still like. So I might go down on the Packers again, but I might just ride out this, uh, this Jordan love winning train. So that's called closing line value. When you get a number that is different than the that closing line. So like you, for instance, uh, this week got negative closing line value because you got Packers at pick them and then it moved to plus seven and a half. That's, a touchdown of value lost. Um, conversely, somebody may have bet on the Chiefs pick them, and then the line moves seven points. They get seven points of closing line value. Uh, this is much like last week when I lost four points of closing line value by betting on the Packers before Devontae Adams went out. And the cool thing is that you can still win your bet when closing line value goes away because sometimes lines are really fucking bad. And I think this one's bad. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be a little leveraged in this game. It'll be a really fun one to watch. But we can go on to the Sunday night game. We have the Tennessee Titans going to play the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are minus seven. This is actually going to be a really good game, and I wish that the odds makers didn't fuck it all up by making a poor line because I think that you kind of have to look Tennessee or nothing here. Um, The Rams are the best team in football. They're really, really fucking good. And the Titans are a decent team, an above decent team. The Titans' fatal flaw is that Mike Vrabel is a conservative pussy, and that matters less when they play against good teams, because when they play against good teams, Mike Vrabel coaches with somebody else's balls that he must be holding on to momentarily. So, I have a hard time betting against the Titans, and people are like, oh, but Derrick Henry, well, I've always been low on Derrick Henry to begin with, and if losing Derrick Henry forces them to pass even just a little bit more, that's a fucking boon for the Titans, because... 
Ryan Tannehill is a top five quarterback in my book, and their receivers, when healthy, are very good. By receivers, I mean exactly two receivers. I mean exactly A.J. Brown and Julio. Like, that's a great duo. And then beyond that is like, but I think Julio's out. I know A.J. Brown's playing. Adrian Peterson can probably do 90 to 95% of what Derrick Henry can because mm, Derrick Henry's overrated as fuck. But the Rams are going to win this game. And the Rams could probably beat any team outside of like the Buccaneers by 20 if they choose to. Because they're that they they got the second best quarterback and probably the second or third best coach. Period. That's a lot. So I can't touch this game. I would love to touch this game. I'm gonna live bet this game one way or another. But the Rams are too good to bet against, and the Titans are too good to lay seven against. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think if I was going to bet, I'd probably bet on the Rams here because. Yes, I think playing the Rams will force the Titans to throw more, which bodes well for them. And while I don't think the actual loss of Derrick Henry is that much, I think they're going to play very different and Vrabel will be all out of sorts. And it might just mess with the team. I mean, Derrick Henry has been their workhorse that they give the ball to 35 times a game for, you know, the last four years. And it's gone really well. And like that's guys don't have to do much outside of, you know, the O-line, obviously. But, like, most of the guys, they're staying there and going, all right, Derek, go run into three people and get two yards. And they can't do that anymore where they're going to have to think and work. And that could go well for their offense. But I think it might mess with their heads. Plus, the other reason is the Rams, I think, will really, really fuck with the Titans secondary. They just have – they have too much – they have too many guys – that can get open downfield with too good of a coach to scheme guys open downfield with too good of a quarterback to hit guys open downfield that I think this is where we see the Titans may actually play a pretty close game, but I think they're going to have some just humongous fuck ups in the secondary that pull this game out of reach, but the Titans are a good team and sevens a really hard number, especially when the the Titans might come out and throw the ball a ton and go, okay, well, we don't have Derek, so we can't run at all. Or, you know, something else that ends up being a good outcome for them and keeps the game really close. So I'm going to stay away. I think the Rams, I would lean Rams, but seven's a big number against a good team. A couple other things. So the Titans are good when they play balls out, but like, so sometimes a team will play against teams that are just talent-wise better than them a few weeks in a row, and then they'll get worn out from, like, getting up for a big game so many times in a row. I don't think that's the case for the Titans because I think that their talent level is actually on par, if not better than, the Bills and the Chiefs. But I think that the problem the Titans are going to run into is that Mike Vrabel might run out of prosthetic balls. Like, I I feel like Mike Vrabel came into the Bills game thinking, like, all right, we got to come out fucking swinging because that's the only way we're getting this one. And then he came out for the Kansas City game, and he's like, all right, got to come out fucking swinging because that's the only way we're fucking getting this one. And then he comes out against the Colts, and he says, all right, got to come out fucking swinging because that's the only way we're getting this one. And then he comes out against the Rams, and he's like, man, fuck it. I just want to go back to bed and run the ball up the gut and punt from the 30. Like, that's my thing. So, you know, or maybe he just got fucking confident. He's like, look, we beat all these other fucking teams. I can just punt again from, the, you know, opponents 42. So you run the risk of, Mike Vrabel reverting back into being Mike Vrabel. And I think this is the kind of game that shows why the Rams are on a different level from every team that's not the Buccaneers and probably are on a different level from the Buccaneers. Because 
teams like the Bills and the Chiefs and every darling that analytics Twitter wants to suck off and basically every team in the AFC that's anything is that all those teams can score like 50 points, but they rely on big plays to score. The Rams, and to a lesser extent the Buccaneers, they can get the big plays. And they're probably about as good as at you at the big plays as you are. But they can also beat you with the dinks and dunks. And they can beat you with the intermediate game, which almost no team can right now. In basketball, they have the lost art of the mid-range jumper. In football, we have the lost art of throwing the ball between 12 and 30 yards downfield. I, I agree with you 100%. I think that's one of the biggest things we've seen that's kept Tom Brady relevant especially in Tampa, is they love those 15 to 25-yard throws. They That's throw how you win. so much. Yep. I, I love those plays. They're they're great because they, they're that perfect middle ground of they're not too aggressive that then you're pushing into the third level or whatever where you're going to get bad matchups and two-on-ones of two, you know, two DBs for your one receiver. You still get a lot of one-on-ones. You get a lot of space. But they're still big enough gains that they feel like you're doing something and moving down the field and demoralizing the defense. Plus, like, we've talked about philosophy a lot, like, just in our personal lines of communication. But, like, you know, not philosophy like like Nietzsche or something, but, like, football philosophy. Because I hate Kevin Stefanski for being a cowardly bitch. Um, but basically what it comes down to is a great coach like Andy Reid or me when I play Madden, is looking to score a touchdown on every single play. And obviously you can't score a touchdown on every single play. So if for some reason, you know, like 85% of the time, the top is taken off, is not taken off of the defense, that you can't throw the streak to Tyreek or whoever the fuck, you, the people think, oh, you took the top off the defense, that should open up the short game. But really what it should be doing is vacating that second tier. If I run a 30-yard streak, that's not going to necessarily open up my three-yard curl, but it should open up my 15 to 20-yard out, you know? Because you're if it's a zone defense, you're vacating that zone, and if it's a man defense, you're creating confusion and giving your players time enough to eventually just wear down the corner. So <clears throat> philosophically, that's why the Rams are elite. That's why the Buccaneers are just under elite. Uh, the problem with the Buccaneers is that they're coached by jackasses, Although Byron Leftwich has been much better this year, like it's still not great. Um, anyhow, we've waxed poetical. That's not a word. We've gotten into every nook and cranny of that game. I think it's about time to jump to Monday. But before we do, let's hit an advertisement because we're sellouts. All right. And for our Monday night game to wrap up week nine, we have the Chicago Bears going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are minus six and a half. Tell me why I shouldn't bet on the Bears. Um, because the Steelers' defense is incredible at opportunistic turnovers and putting uh, quarterbacks in really uncomfortable positions. And Justin Fields, which that just to me screams three turnovers from Justin Fields. Okay, yeah, and, no, that's I'm you've you've done it. I'm not betting on the Bears because the other thing we have working against us is everybody's extremely aroused about. Justin Fields playing a B-minus game last week against a terrible team. And I can just see the headlines now about Matt Nagy's gone with COVID. Justin Fields looks amazing. Matt Nagy comes back. Justin Fields looks bad again. Get him out of here. So, um, no, that makes too much sense. Justin Fields is slow to process, and the P Pittsburgh Steelers are quick to tackle his ass. He will not be able to run against them because they stopped the run first. 
he's not good enough to pass because he can't pass. And the Steelers always seem to eke out 14 to 21 points on offense. And the Steelers also are great at containing mobile quarterback. They have a 3-4 defense with good athletic outside linebackers that play really good contain. Whenever, you know, when the Steelers play the Ravens, when they play the Browns who aren't mobile, but they love their bootlegs, the Steelers just create little shells and just don't let anyone get outside of them from the pocket, which I think will hurt Justin Fields a lot because God knows he's not ready to sit in the pocket and break down a defense. Now he's going to have a good pass rush that also doesn't let him escape. He's going to have a really bad day. I, I the The Pittsburgh offense isn't going to be able to do much of anything, but I think if they score seven points, that'll be enough because the Pittsburgh defense will probably score just as many. I don't think we need to waste too much breath on that. Like that's, I might not watch that. I'm going to watch that game because my Bears fandom will come out. But yeah, I'll watch that game just because I, I, I feel dirty passing up football after like COVID and sports disappearing, like. Talking about, like, I'm never going to take all these live sporting events for granted again. And then, like, there's a shitty Monday night football game on. I don't watch it. Like, so I'll probably watch it purely off of principle and hoping the Steelers play really poorly. Okay, fine. Maybe I'll watch it and maybe try to do some document review while I watch it. How about that? Look at you. Multitasking. Getting some billables. All right. So time for wrap up. We, uh, we're taking Cleveland. We're taking Arizona. We're taking Green Bay. We're taking the Chargers. We're taking Carolina. Do we have any other maybes? Houston? New Orleans? Not New Orleans. Honestly, Houston straight up it intrigues me, but... Uh, Houston plus six or Panthers plus four? What do you think? That's what it comes down to. I'm going to look at injury reports. I say... All right, I'm going to say Houston. I think uh, they're going to get a little bit of a bump from Tyrod back, and I just simply don't trust Sam Darnold against the Patriots. I kind of want to say Carolina just to spite you. Like, we'll both have a different pick. We could have both. We could have six picks. Nobody said no. Yeah, we we, we do have that ability. Yeah, let's do six picks. We'll, let's we'll do keep six. Both. Fuck them. You get an extra, bitches, because we were late. That's why. <laughs> we totally would have given you like good information about Indianapolis versus the Jets. Although I did tell you to take the Colts minus ten. Well, you you then changed your mind. What? So no, I thought you I fell asleep me... like two seconds into that game. So I'm I'm not. Ju- I could have said anything. I I I told my dad to take Colts. Okay. Um, but he might have changed it because probably ten minutes after you texted me, and I was like, "Cool, yeah, I think same thing, Colts." And then you were like, "Wait, actually, give me the points, Mike White." Did I really? <laughs> you, I, I mean, I can find the text itself, but it, you said like, "Give me the points, Coach Jets." I don't know. I literally fell asleep like as they were kicking off on the ground. Unbelievable. It's okay. I was del- I full day of really not care. working. <laughs> it's very tiresome sitting there waiting for people to tell you what to do. It, it, you really t- do a number on you, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm well. I'm well. Com- I'm well compensated to do nothing all day. So, all right, we gave you six picks to make up for the fact that we were like two or three days late, depending on when I get this out. But either way, oh, I don't know if you noticed, Alex, but we did have another winning week last week, despite what your ledger will say. I went over that on the early pod. But uh, either way, thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for those who reached out and asked where the pod was because you missed us. That was. That touched my heart. But most of all, if I could thank you for one thing, 
it'd be for betting on football games. Asta.